Welcome back to The Minute Who Shagged Me, where we go through the Austin Powers movies one minute at a time, continuing with The Spy Who Shagged Me. I'm Johnny, and I'm rounding out this week with my special guest. I'm Rick from the Mad Max <laughs> Minute. Yep, we're we're on your regular Friday schedule, finishing out the week strong. Yep. With Minute 35, and it begins with the end of... Austin meeting his match, but getting the explanation of what that actually means. So yesterday we talked about him thinking that it was Dr. Evil, but Felicity totally met her. Mm-hmm. She says, I was talking about me, and then she gives him those eyes and walks past him and just does that little hip pop and sway as she's going back to that car. And I almost put down in my notes just the phrase hot damn but then i'm like why why would you write that in your notes because like why would i do that because you're taking notes like me now (laughs) because i i literally like there's one of my notes in the past couple weeks that just says ew because i'm gonna write down what i feel right when i'm watching it so like you felt like hot damn yeah so let's do it hot damn (laughs) because she is turning up the temperature on this situation and oh my god (laughs) like i said the other day she is distractingly gorgeous she knows how to work her own mojo very well Mm -hmm. so she's sashaying back to the car um how austin gets distracted by not that i'm baffled but Mustafa, again, has to theatrically steal the show um, with, uh, hello up there. I seem to have fallen down a cliff. I'm still alive, but I'm very badly injured. I think my legs are broken. I'll try to stand. And then you hear a snap (laughs) in the background. Yes, they're broken. Perhaps you could toss me a (laughs) Band-Aid. The most important thing that he could have done in that situation was not move. And he did exactly the worst thing that he could do. He tried to stand up. I mean, it's on brand for Mustafa, so. Oh. You'd think after he fell, well, he got put in the pit of fire. But he broke his arm in that one, I think. You would think he would learn from, like, Doing that, that he wouldn't repeat his mistake. Now, I know we're not supposed to worry about the timeline. We're just supposed to sit back and enjoy the ride. But are we supposed to believe that him going over the cliff, as far as Mustafa's point of view is concerned, is happening before he gets dropped into the fire pit? Oh. Oh. Because 1969, that's after Dr. Evil gets cryogenically frozen and launched into the rocket. Mm-hmm. So Mustafa is already done all of his cryo stuff. So Dr. Evil just shows up out of nowhere and Mustafa goes back into the field. Probably because he realizes that his cryo technology was not meant for cats. So as a way to ingratiate himself back into Dr. Evil's good graces, he says, oh, I will go personally. Okay. But 
he hasn't had the experience of being dropped in the fire pit yet. What do you think would be worse? The fire pit or this cliff? Oh, this cliff. Definitely. I agree. So, like, he should be equipped for the pit. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe he's able to survive the flames because he got a fire retardant suit. Okay. I don't know why he would have chosen it other than he's just the most accident-prone assassin. (laughs) So maybe he's like, whatever I can do to help myself out. So I know you looked up some particularly disgusting things. Oh, yes. Because of this minute. So he's asking for a Band-Aid or some antibacterial cream. He's in an an extraordinarily large amount of pain. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that he asks for a Band-Aid or some antibacterial cream because according to the Mayo Clinic website that has a section about first aid when you come upon someone who has broken the limb, the first thing they say is don't move the person and then fetch a cold compress or ice or something like that and your goal is to reduce the swelling, abate pain, and then treat shock. You're not going to do much as a first responder when it comes to a broken limb. Your job is basically keep the person comfortable until EMTs arrive. Unfortunately, this is the English countryside. There are no cell phones. There's very little passing traffic. And the only telephone is all the way at the top of the cliff. Yeah, Um, if only there was someone standing at the top of the cliff within spitting distance of that telephone. All they'd, someone who, maybe all they'd have to do is take a few steps to the side and they'd be able to call an ambulance. Unfortunately, that person would have to be like somebody that you didn't just try to kill. (laughs) What's outrageous about this situation isn't so much that Austin doesn't call an ambulance and doesn't try to save Mustafa's life. It's that he doesn't call this into Basil to say, hey, Basil, could you send a cleanup crew? I've got one of Dr. Evil's assassins here in the field. He's not going anywhere. Come on and get him. No, no, the buzzards will get him. <laughs> he doesn't need an official take-in. He'll just... uh rot there at the end of the cliff oh well see it's a bad situation to be in because the last time someone whose name the last time someone whose name rhymed with Mustafa found themselves at the bottom of a canyon after falling from the side of a cliff they got trampled by wildebeests no so sad the saddest scene in all of animated movies I'm that's the hill I'm gonna die on that that is the saddest. Not a big fan of tiny little Simba pulling at his dad and saying, come on, get up. Literally the saddest thing on the planet. It's probably a good thing that there's no tiny Mustafa. Come on, to, Mustafa, get up. You gotta get up. Like, my legs are broken. I cannot. But unfortunately, it would be... I guess for him, it would be more comedic than anything because Mustafa has a way with words that you just, you don't, there's not that level of empathy, I guess, Mm -hmm. uh, as if he was just going to be silent because now he's like, I fear it might be gangrenous. Um, The bone has gone through the skin. (laughs) 
Listen, <laughs> you can't get gangrene that fast. Yes. It's like almost instantaneous that he got gangrene. Mm-hmm. Gangrene is a festering. It's essentially what happens when you have localized dead and decomposing body tissue resulting from either obstructed circulation or bacterial infection. So like, no. Yeah, it wouldn't happen that fast. Because now he's like, the wound is beginning to smell a little like almonds. No, you you literally fell down that cliff 45 seconds ago. <laughs> One thing that's really easy to believe is the fact that he has a compound fracture. Well, yes. I mean, that happens all the time. And unfortunately for him, if he only had a broken pair of legs, it would be fine because everything would be contained. But the fact that it's a compound fracture and the bone is poking out of the skin, well, that might as well just be him opening the door and rolling out the welcome mat for all sorts of bacteria and contaminants and whatever else decides to find him at the bottom of that canyon. And also, we're forgetting to introduce already the poison into his bloodstream. By introducing trauma, you're increasing the heart rate, which increases the poison to pump through the body faster. Mm-hmm. So he won't have to feel that pain for much longer. Which is a good thing for sweet release, but also a bad thing just in general. Will Will he not last much longer, though? I I don't know. I have a feeling that he's going to be not fine. <laughs> going back to Monday and our definition of fine. I don't think he's going to be okay, but I think he'll be, in the broadest sense of the term, fine by the end of this movie. I mean, maybe if we're thinking that this is prior to the p- help it. Yeah. But at the same time, I had this like argument the previous week, I believe, about how in in a way it's like oh no, it was two weeks ago. There was like a When they told you not to worry about the semantics of time travel, this is when I start mm-hmm. to worry about the semantics of time travel. Um, <laughs> so there was a chart in the warehouse where they set up Austin to time travel. And there was, it looked like orbits, but in my mind, I totally described it as like two timelines overlapping Oh. And then when they touched, they created out of the epicenter of that, there was a smaller circle inside one of the circles. So you're creating a parallel timeline. Oh, so it's like the... not. It's sort of the... You go back to a certain point and you change and everything branches off from there. Yeah. So maybe, Okay, so it's not a back to the future situation. No, because maybe in the... Cause Doctor was Doc was always just about like you can't mess up with the timeline because it's time travel rules, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't really work out like that always, but um, in this case, they don't care about the rules in the first place. So they're creating like a whole new like parallel timeline where 
Mustafa doesn't even have to go into the hell pit, maybe. Maybe he just dies here. Maybe. I guess we'll just have to wait through to the end of the credits and find out. Yeah. So, so do you want to know a little thing about uh, wound odor? Um, I'm afraid to ask. So I found a page on advancedtissue.com. And this is a little article. What a website. That they, this is a little article they published back in 2016. And it says, understanding wound odor is an important part of any treatment plan. In 2015, the European Wound Management Association released an article detailing psychological effects of understanding wound odor. In 2015, the European Wound Management Association released an article detailing psychological effects of malignant fungating wounds. For many patients, as the EWMA argued, wound odor is among the hardest things to cope with emotionally, and that certainly must extend to other wound types as well. Not only is odor uncomfortable to be around, but it can be indicative of infections or other complications. It's important, then, that all patients understand odor and how it can affect their personal wound care regimen. According to the Canadian Association of Wound Care, odor is usually caused by the breakdown of tissue. When a part of the body or section of skin is injured, anaerobic bacteria, microorganisms that do not require oxygen to thrive, move into the wound site. As they begin to methodically degrade tissue, these cells release chemicals like, putre like putrescine and cadaverine as byproducts. It's those agents that are responsible for the foul smells associated with injuries like pressure ulcers and exudating wounds. So you smell like a putrid cadaver. Yeah, not good. The, the article continues. As mentioned above, the chemicals associated with anaerobic bacteria often smell foul or putrid. However, as world educators pointed out, there are a range of other smells associated with affected wounds. For example, proteus bacteria is said to smell like ammonia, a sterilizing chemical found in many industrial cleaners. Meanwhile, bacteria like Pseudomonas actually has kind of a sweet smell, with comparisons often made to almonds. It's worth noting, though, that even these non-putrid smells can still be indicative of complications. It's important to tell your doctor about these specific smells, as he or she may have experience in deciphering what each odor means in the wound healing process. There are two things I want to walk away with here. <laughs> the first thing is, why are you worried about your self-esteem when you should be taking care of why that smell is there in the first place? And number two, you could totally get a day job as the person who reads all of the scientific mumbo jumbo on like pharmaceutical ads. <laughs> well, well, thank you. You're welcome. But also, I imagine that if you're in a situation like Mustafa finds himself in and he gets scraped off the bottom of the canyon and then all of his wounds start to smell, I could see that being a huge blow to his self-esteem. Like, oh, I, I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to heal, but I smell like a friggin' body bag. So psychologically, he's having a hard time healing because of that. I can totally see that. I want to be better, but I smell like a corpse. <laughs> but like... I don't know. I, I just feel like your self-esteem is like the least of your worries. 
Well, what does is, what is Mark Wahlberg say? Look good, feel good? So he looks bad, he feels bad. You but, could adapt it to smell good, feel good. Okay. Not always the case. You can smell like <laughs> a fucking bouquet of roses and you're still a shitty person. And you might be also masking the fact that you just feel real bad, but you smell real good. Well, it's subjective. I guess in the grand scheme of aromatherapy, though. Yeah. You just got to pick your essential oils the right way. Exactly. And, you know... Maybe if you fall to the bottom of a canyon, you don't try and stand up on broken legs. Yeah, you just sit down, you calmly reach in your breast pocket, and you pull out a tiny vial of lemongrass, and you smell it. And you feel uplifted, your shock is calming, this is not, please don't do this. Um, (laughs) And you just live in your lemongrass moment, because if you smell good, you feel good, right? (laughs) Smell good, feel good. Smell good, feel good. So this dart that Mustafa's been shot with, I mentioned before that it could be just a dart laced with LSD or some other illicit substance. And if he's got some sort of psychotropic thing rushing through his system, enhancing all of the sights, smells, and sounds around him, that must be making his suffering just that much worse. It's the worst trip in history. I feel very bad for him. I've never been on a trip, so to speak. So I don't, I can't speak from personal experience, but I imagine if you've got a substance coursing through you that enhances, you know, sights and smells and things like that, it must be some sort of Tim Burton-esque nightmare scape. Well, they always say that like whatever you, whatever mindset you're in when you begin to trip, is the mindset that you're going to be in the whole trip. So it's like, he's turned it off real bad. Yeah. So like, he's got a good solid 12 hours of just hell on earth. Not ideal. No. Not ideal. (laughs) I feel bad for him. I hope it's not psychotropic. I hope it's just a poison. That sounds so bad, but I just do. (laughs) Maybe it was a poison that caused his limbs to go stiff. And that's why he shuffled backwards towards the edge of the cliff. Like the chemical forced his muscles to just tighten up and spasm. And so he didn't want to walk off the edge of the cliff, but his muscles just pushed him. Oh, like a trank, like a tranquilizer. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. That's a bit easier to swallow. It is, but I also still hope it's poison so that he doesn't have to feel too much more pain. Because, like, (laughs) I don't know. He might have labeled himself an assassin, but I don't know if he's actually killed anyone. Because he doesn't seem very successful in general. Hmm. Um, And so I, I feel a tiny bit of sympathy for him. That he's chosen a line of work that he's not good at. Well, 
you could argue that there are plenty of people that are in lines of work that aren't particularly good at their job, but they're in it anyway. That's and true. sometimes you bring someone in at an entry level position and you know, they work their way up to it. I don't know as how many assassins do that. Uh particularly because their line of work is very volatile. <laughs> yeah. I think the interesting thing about assassins i looked up the definition of assassin in the dictionary and it's a murderer of an important person in a surprise attack for political or religious reasons and so that would argue that in order to be an assassin you can't just call yourself an assassin and then go out killing people you have to be a killer of at least one person and then you get the label of assassin okay well i need his credentials like i i want to know <laughs> let's go back to that zip recruiter ad that we were going to put in here at some point if we got sponsored and like let's can we see his like credentials and see um what has qualified him as an assassin yeah like, who has he killed before this point for Dr. Evil to put his faith in his abilities? Because you said for political or religious reasons. Mm-hmm. So it has to make a statement. So Mustafa is a engineer of a, of a sort. He's able to develop cryo-freezing technology. So maybe... He used his engineering skills to murder an important political figure with his inventions? Maybe. Maybe. Like he sold a cryopod to the prime minister of, I don't know, Ghana. And it backfired and killed that guy. This and so it like, was a surprise political attack. This is like a weird Dr. Freeze scenario. Where... He accidentally cryo-froze someone for eternity. <laughs> and now he has to live his life with evil. Well, that whole story, that's just the evil nature of... Ice? Collegiate. Uh, <laughs> the, evil, the evil nature of collegiate administrators. Because Victor Freeze, he was a researcher, and then the administration came in to shut down his research and sabotaged his lab. Like, that's just, that's just bad. But what if that's what happened to Mustafa? He's now living a life of accidental evil. Mm, I don't know. But he just leaned like into it. if you're getting it. hired in, if you're getting hired into Doctor's Evil organization, or Doctor Evil's organization... I feel like that's a life you choose, not one you necessarily fall into. Okay. I mean, if you're only a worker at one of his fa factories, then you can blunder your way into inadvertently being evil. But if you're working on a secret island somewhere with a giant evil lair in the middle of it, I feel like that's something you've got to be well aware of what you're signing up for before you sail out to that island to hang out in a bright, shiny jumpsuit with a Devo hat. But doesn't that sound like fun? 
Well, it all depends <laughs> on what the weekends are like. If you have like five days on, two days off, and you get to spend those two days off at the beach. Yeah, it's a beach party with all your coworkers that are actually your friends. Well, not I'd certainly hope that they're friends. Well, they're spending that much time together. Yeah. So imagine like a barbecue, a uh, uh, work beach volleyball tournament. Uh, I don't know. A sandcastle building contest. Uh, maybe a who can jump in the volcano and not die contest. <laughs> you know, just like casual every weekend sort of like jaunts. Yeah, especially if they get some sort of maybe two days on, one day off sort of rotation so that for a week beginning on a Monday, you work Monday, Tuesday, you get Wednesday off, you work Thursday, Friday, Saturday off, you work Sunday, Monday, and you just rotate it around. That way you don't necessarily have to worry about the five-day work week Yeah, and you just get days off seemingly all the time so that yeah you're working really hard to build rockets and patrol an evil layer and whatnot but you're also getting a saturday every couple of days just keeping that stress level low yeah and i also assume that for the henchmen we have a pretty good benefit system where they have good life insurance um, they might even have like on-site therapy uh, that might be a, a good workplace morale mm. thing. I imagine they've probably got a reasonable deal for life insurance. But as far as outside of that, they probably have on-site medical, dental, eye care. So you're not necessarily going to an outside organization for that type yeah, of coverage. So you don't technically have... Like, you don't technically have health insurance... You just have health care provided by the company. So you're not getting that deducted from your paycheck. Okay. And they might have some sort of pension program that you can pay into, but they, at the same time, don't expect you to necessarily live for 30 years so that you are able to cash it in. That one guy who actually makes it. Yeah. <laughs> One day away from retirement, and then he gets taken out by Austin Powers. Oh, no. No, that's why you got to be like, hey, uh, my name is Mike, and um, tomorrow's my last day, uh, and then I get to go home and live a normal life. And then Austin's like, oh, yeah, cracky, mate. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll just, <laughs> uh, I'll take you by the shoulders. I'll, I'll put you over here. Live your life in peace. I'm not going to hurt you. <laughs> And then he like proceeds to like shoot the other people, the other henchmen, because they're yeah. not close to their pensions, so it doesn't matter. Austin Power is a hero for the people. Absolutely. <laughs> He's a lover, not a fighter, baby. <laughs> yeah, because he never really like kills anyone. I think the only person he like blatantly killed killed was the guy he fed to the sea bass. Hmm. Which, that was a lot. <laughs> that was pretty gratuitous. Yeah. So, I mean, like, if he's going to do it, he does it big, but, like, he rarely does it. Yeah. Speaking of dead. Yes. We cut to Dr. Evil's secret volcano lair. And how extra is it 
that Dr. Evil is hanging out inside of a giant version of his own face. I feel like he's just trying to like channel Mount Rushmore and just like really do it. Would you hang out in a giant version of your head if it was a hollowed out volcano? Oh, that's such a hard question to ask and even harder to answer. Just would I have the not even self-confidence, just would I have the ego to want to carve my face into the side of a mountain? I don't think so. I don't think I could do it. I'd want bigger windows. You don't want eyeball windows? No, if I could have a mountainside lair, I'd probably want the one from that snowy level of inception. Okay. Where it's got those gigantic windows and it's sitting on the side of the mountain. I'd like that. Okay. Uh, I see you that, but I raise you. Do you want this um, vehicle that Dr. Evil has? Oh my gosh, the tricycle cart thing? Yes. That is outrageous. But it's wonderful. It's like a tiny chariot. It's Yes, exactly. Don't you want a tiny motorized chariot? <laughs> well, I do a lot of walking at my job because I work at a college and I have to go from building to building. And I'm always a little jealous of the electric cars that maintenance gets to drive around. So something like this would be excellent because it would fit inside the elevators and I wouldn't necessarily have to walk anywhere. I'd just be able to get driven around by a one-eighth size version of myself. We need to teach you how to uh, ride a typical college kid thing, like the a longboard. That way it's like portable for you. <laughs> Believe me, I've thought of getting myself a Razor scooter and then no. having some sort of... Oh, no having some sort of sheath or quiver to put it in, like Hansel from Zoolander. Oh, no. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. If you're going to go that far, get, like, a motorized one that you can, like, clip to a bike rack. Don't do not do like, a Razor scooter like you're some, like, hip-ass 90s kid. Please don't. But I am a hip-ass 90s I kid. I know, but, oh, those are so dweeby on a college campus. Oh, man. I, oh. I'm, like, picturing, like, me walking across campus because there was, like, so many modes of tra transportation you could take. And it was, like, walking, bikes, skateboards. Some people rollerbladed to class, which, good on you, because I would bust my face wide open. Um, razor scooters were, like, okay. Okay. I mean, I had one growing <laughs> up, but I don't think I could translate it to a college campus. Um, some people had those stupid hoverboards. Oh, and one kid did a unicycle. That was fun. Yeah, those kids are crying out for attention, See, though. See, that's like one step below Razor Scooter, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, like... Okay, I got The hierarchy okay, I got, I got, of, gotcha. like, transportation. Just stick with feet, unless we're going to go, like, not those two things. So if you were going to have a big evil layer that you would ride a longboard around, apparently, what would your evil layer be? Would it be a giant representation of your own face on the side of a volcano? No, let's see. Because, like, okay, being, like, blatantly serious here, I have a lazy eye, so I don't know how you would, like, I have, like, I mean, like, it's not very apparent, but 
how I don't know how that would translate into like an actual carving of my face. Uh, also, I have allergies all the time, so they would just have to be completely closed too, all the time. Um, so I also don't think that I would live in a volcano. I'm thinking. Well, it'd be really cheap to heat in the. It would be really cheap to heat in the winter time. Yeah, I'm thinking more of like your cold climate. I like that whole idea. I like a hollowed out mountain that's not necessarily a volcano, that's more cave like. Mm. Uh, and I would have a chariot like this one. It wouldn't be motorized. I would have dogs. Ah, nice. Or if we're going to go, we already referenced uh, Norse mythology once this week. If we're going to really go for it, because I'm a cat lady, Freya in Norse mythology had a giant chariot um, pulled by giant white cats. There you so, go. So like, hi, I'm just going to live my best like Norse mythology life. <laughs> that's fair. So that's my that- ideal. I say slap that up on your vision board. We'll see uh, how that goes. I, I hope I hope I don't have to be evil to get that. Um, I hope I can just be a nice person and acquire a giant cat chariot. <laughs> um, that'd be cool. Uh, although I would keep the uniforms. I think the uniforms are pretty awesome that Dr. Evil has. Yeah, they're spacey. I like I like the Devo hats. I personally think they're one of the most hilarious features of this movie. And I just like that the jumpsuits have a lot of uh, room. That's true. They do have a little bit of give to them. They're not too form-fitting. So you can have a day where you might feel a little bloated and the jumpsuit sits on you loose enough that doesn't feel too conspicuous. Mm-hmm. And for those people that are not minions, you get these cool gray suits. Yeah, that's true. Like you can you can go just about anywhere in a gray suit. It's a power suit, no matter where you go. Yeah, it's it's not too formal, but it's also not too casual. I mean, I would full on rock the suit that Rob Lowe has on too. Because he's got like a mock neck turtleneck sort of scenario underneath his suit. Not really yeah. like a button up. I really like that for some reason. I don't know why he chose that as like inside of a volcano sort of scenario, but like in our frozen tundra style cave layers, that would be ideal. Absolutely. So Dr. Evil rolls into the room and the first thing he says, two of my assassins are dead. And I have a bit of a problem with that. See, I told you. They're dead. Because <laughs> Robin was very much alive when Austin and Felicity drove away. She was still moving. Bazooka Joe, he was in no position to be killed. And Mustafa was still shouting up from the bottom of the canyon, trying to move when we left him. So I don't think... These assassins are necessarily dead. Do they have to? Di- I think he's just making an assumption. Do, have, do they have to die on camera for you to believe that they'll die? <laughs> well, I figured that was just the rule. I mean, that's true because he always assumes that Austin's dead and he's never dead. So I think Dr. Evil is 
putting the cart before the horse just a little bit well, here. Well, um, assumptions make an ass out of himself, so. Exactly. But he's very good. He's point. not afraid to be an ass, though. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. As in a, an, as in a mean person, and also just looks stupid. He does both of those things pretty readily. Oh, Doctor Evil, the true star of this movie. Mm. And he does not tolerate failure, which is very counterintuitive. Uh, because all he's done up until now is tolerate failure, <laughs> even from himself. So, ooh, I think he needs to rethink his, like, ideals a bit. Yeah, maybe do a little bit of self-reflection. Yeah. Evaluate what he's saying before he continues saying Unfortunately it. Unfortunately for him, no one checks his ego. Yeah, he's surrounded by a bunch of yes-men and yes-women. Yeah. Yes-people? Yes-people. Yeah, there we go. Oh, Dr. Evil. It's okay. You're gonna we're gonna let a life coach into your life and they're gonna have you reflect and give you some feedback and let's figure out this evil model. What do we wanna do with this empire? How do you think we're gonna get there? What can I do to help you? It's fine. We'll get there. And you'll get your one billion dollars. <laughs> oh. oh man. So, I like to open up the floor on Friday and let you talk about whatever in the movie that you want to talk about. So, if there's a particular scene that you really, since you've watched it recently, that you really want to talk about, or any favorite parts that are not in this set of minutes, anything like that. Oh, I have not yet watched Austin Powers' Gold Member, and I know I'm getting way ahead. <laughs> Because we're not even close to the end of this movie. But I have a sneaking suspicion as to how they get Felicity out of the way for Austin Powers in Goldmember. And I almost don't want to ask because I don't want to spoil it for myself. Mm -hmm. But I have a sneaking suspicion that Austin from 10 minutes ago is involved in getting Felicity away from Austin thereby opening him up for a situation involving, I think it's Beyonce that's in the third mm -hmm. one. So. I haven't watched Goldmember in a long time either. Um, I broke my own rule and I watched this movie four times before I started recording it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, my hiatus went a lot longer because of stuff with my job than I wanted it to. And I just like, mm, I got the itch to like jump back into the Austin Powers world and it was on HBO and four times because I'm a crazy person but I used to own Goldmember on like DVD or Blu-ray or something I don't know where it is but they never put Goldmember on anything and I don't know why hmm. so uh, I think it, last week's episodes I looked up the box set on Blu-ray, it's like 20 bucks. 
Oh, that's so, not like, bad I'm at really all. I'm really going to order that and just have it and yeah. watch Goldmember a million times. I mean, that's what we did when we saw that there was a Blu-ray box set for the Mad Max series. Now, that one came with four instead of three movies, but we snatched that up right quick. This one, unfortunately, instead of like an official box set, it's like two DVDs. Oh, my it's God. It's like one of those... <laughs> When you go to Walmart and there's like the, it's the triple feature shit. Yeah, it's, <laughs> but I mean, it's like Austin Powers, so I get it. Yeah. But still, I think it's so funny. But yeah, I'm probably going to order speaking, it. <laughs> speaking of triple and multiple movie features, I watched this movie and in the same night, I also watched Mystery Men. I saw you post about I that. Because I wanted to catch up on that. And inadvertently... I found myself watching a double feature and the common thread between the two movies was Shrek. (laughs) Because Fat Bastard in this movie is so much a proto-Shrek character that I can't even believe. He even uses the word donkey at some point. Mm -hmm. And it is 100% Shrek. And then, of course, I watch Mystery Men and the theme song to that movie is (laughs) All-Star. Which is synonymous with Shrek at this Smash point. Smash Mouth and Shrek so, just go together. I I did not plan it that way. I did not expect it to go that direction. I should have just followed up both of those movies by just watching Shrek. I think that would have just done it for you. But I don't know how many years it's been since I've watched Shrek. Or, or a Shrek movie at all. Because there are multiple mm. ones. I am actually very surprised that no one has started a Shrek Minute podcast. I feel like it's because then you really know that they hate themselves. Yeah. Watching the first movie is one thing. Watching the subsequent sequels. I think the first two. That's fine. The first, I will, I'll lend you to go to the sequel. But anything after that, we got to talk. Yeah, if you're going to the point where you're watching the one where Justin Timberlake plays a character, then we might need to sit down for an and intervention. And then your hiatus episodes, your special episodes are about the Broadway musical, then we need to like talk. You have a Shrek obsession. And yeah. um, let me let me bring you back to like other Mike Myers movies. You don't have to watch Shrek. You can get some good content in other Mike Myers movies. Absolutely. It's totally fine. Just Watch Shrek, get it out of your system, listen to Smash Mouth's entire discography, and then cry a little bit, and then go watch the rest of the Mike Myers movies, and then you'll be <laughs> fine. You'll be fine. It's okay. We're all here to love you and bring you back into the fold, but like, please don't do a Shrek mm-hmm. Minute. I implore you, please don't do a Shrek Minute. Yeah. If you're thinking about doing Shrek Minute, I can tell you. That the world is going to roll you because you're not the sharpest tool in the shed. (laughs) I'm willing to look dumb with my finger and my thumb in the shape of an L on my forehead. Oh, but you know, um, hey now, you you might be an all star. Um, But I get your game on, go play. Like, don't. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because only shooting stars break the mold. That's the <laughs> lesson you need to walk away with from this only week. Shooting only shooting stars break the mold. Shooting stars. <laughs> I think we found our episode title. There you go. Oh God. So everybody, uh, I apologize for you listening this far. That now, uh, All Star by Smash Mouth has earwormed itself, and now you have to go listen to it because, like, that's just how life goes. Uh, I'm sorry. And you're welcome. Because you can't be mad. You can be ma- That's one of those songs that you can simultaneously, like, know all the lyrics, be kind of upbeat about it, but also be very mad that you're listening to it. At least when you're listening to it, you're not watching the music video, though. <laughs> Silver linings. Silver linings. Well... Rick, do you want to plug yourself up for one last time and also take us out because you know the sign-off? Certainly. So if you're looking for more random references to pop music sprinkled into movie analysis, you can go over to MadMaxMinute.com and find me alongside my co-host, Julia, talking about the Mad Max movies one minute at a time. We are also on Twitter, where we post updates whenever a new episode comes out by searching for at MadMaxMinute. And if Facebook is more your speed, because you're okay with Zuckerberg stealing every life detail, you can find us by searching for Mad Max Minute, and you will find our listener page, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. So whether you're stuck at the bottom of a canyon with two broken legs or chilling inside your volcano layer shaped like your face, remember to stay groovy. Stay groovy.